This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee. Governor Ron DeSantis draws a line in the sand. He says masks will not be mandated at schools. There's been talk about potentially people advocating at the federal level imposing compulsory masks on kids. Uh, We're not doing that in Florida, okay? And if the feds try to force the issue, the governor says he'll call the legislature back into session to do something about it. Meanwhile, a group of doctors in Miami says the governor should spend less time attacking Dr. Anthony Fauci and more time talking up the vaccines. A ceremonial signing for House Bill 3, the $200 million plan that provides free books to kids from kindergarten to fifth grade who are having trouble reading at their grade level. Struggling readers, the the vast majority of them don't even have a book in their home. How could you fall in love with reading or a character or, or an adventure if you don't have a book to touch and make your own? On today's Sunrise Soapbox, we'll hear from two lawmakers on opposite sides of the aisle. First up, Republican Representative Fiona McFarlane of Sarasota. You know, when it comes to the purview of issues that you that you rule over in the state legislature, I am not an expert in like any of them. But I do know how to ask good questions. I do know how to sniff out a rat. And that's followed by Democrat Chevron Jones of Miami Garden. I was able to start working to get things across the aisle and work to get good policies across the aisle. Now, the question is, does it get nasty? Absolutely. We'll also have your calendar of political events, plus the story of a Florida man who beat up his Uber driver and carjacked his SUV. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, July 23rd. This is National Gorgeous Grandmother Day and National Vanilla Ice Cream Day. On this date in 1984, Vanessa Williams, the first African-American Miss America, resigned after Penthouse published unauthorized nude photos of her. In 1989, Fox TV topped ABC, NBC, and CBS for the first time. The show that did it was America's Most Wanted. In 2019, the U.S. Senate passed a bill championed by comedian Jon Stewart to ensure that 9-11 First Responders Trust Fund never runs out of money. And on this date one year ago, the U.S. confirmed cases of COVID-19 passed the 4 million mark with a death toll of over 143,000. No matter how bad the COVID surge gets, the governor says there won't be any mask mandates at Florida schools. And if the schools or the feds try to impose one, Ron DeSantis says he'll call the legislature into special session. There's been talk about potentially people advocating at the federal level imposing compulsory masks on kids. Uh, We're not doing that in Florida, okay? We need our kids to breathe. We need our kids to be able to be kids. We need them to be able to breathe. It's terribly uncomfortable for them to do it. Uh, There's not uh, very much science behind it. There's some schools we had didn't do masks, others did. The outcomes were not were not meaningfully different. And so I think it's really important that uh, parents obviously can equip their kid to go to school however they want. uh, But there shouldn't be any coercive mandates on our schools. And so we want to make sure that that is it. As of right now, all the school districts are going in that direction. But there is going to be it looks like a a campaign from Washington uh, to try to change that. And I've talked to Chris Sprouse if we need to come bring them back in. To be able to do something from the legislative perspective, he's all in to be able to do it, and I know that people will do. At the end of the day, uh, we got to start putting our kids first. We got to look out for their education, 
is it really comfortable? Is it really healthy for them to be muzzled and have their breathing obstructed all day long in school? Uh, I don't think it is. And I look to think, you know, I have a three-year-old son, and you got people like Fauci saying he should be muzzled, that you should be throwing masks on these three-year-old kids. Uh, it's totally unacceptable and certainly unacceptable to have any level of government imposing that uh, on parents and on kids. And so we look forward to a normal school year. Obviously, people can, can, um, can, parents can make decisions how they want to, and we wouldn't restrict that, uh, but we certainly uh, will not have any mandates uh, on students and on parents in the upcoming school year. DeSantis says the best way to fight COVID is to get vaccinated, but it's not mandatory and it's not foolproof. It, it is true. People who have been vaccinated are testing positive, And so we just have to be honest with that with people. Biden said last night, if you if you take the vaccine, you will not get COVID. That is false. We know that's false. People have tested positive. But I think what it does do is it really prevents against severe outcomes, particularly death or a serious hospitalization. So we just have to be honest with people. But I don't think telling noble lies to people, which a lot of the people in the bureaucracy and the medical establishment uh, tend to do. Uh, I don't think that that's very helpful because I think people look at this and if they don't trust the information comes out, then they're going to obviously uh, do do whatever they need accordingly. But it's interesting, you know, I had mentioned that uh, that favorable data. People are like, oh, it's the first time he's ever mentioned that. Like they were act people actually saying that. Some of the news was saying that. I'm like, were you asleep in December, January, February, March when I crisscrossed every corner of this state? I showed up at nursing homes. I showed up at hospitals. I showed up at um, senior communities. I showed up at, at pharmacies. And I was criticized for doing that by a lot of the people um, in the peanut gallery for whatever reason, bogus reasons. But nobody leaned into this because we have a very elderly population and we wanted to be able to provide them access. But at the same time, we've never had any mandates in the state of Florida, and we will not have any mandates in the state of Florida because ultimately people need to make decisions uh, about what's right for them. But I can tell you with having 85% of seniors that have been vaccinated in the state of Florida, that is going to have, that has had a positive impact. The nursing home fatalities are down 95% since the vaccines rolled out. So let's focus on trying to prevent severe clinical outcomes. These positive tests, I mean, the, the media will try to do that. They try to create a hysteria. They try to do that. Obviously, in Florida, we're not getting swept away in that. I mean, we're going to protect protect folks' livelihood. So that, that's not – but I worry about in some of these other states, you know, what they're going to be doing. You know, you saw a lot of these places like U.K. and Israel had huge explosions of positive tests, uh, but they didn't have – uh, the similar level of clinical outcomes that they did prior, six months prior or whatever. So I just think at the end of the day, um, we've worked really hard. Uh, we've provided really unprecedented access to so many different avenues that um, that, that was what we set out to do, and, 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 and we did it. The governor has drawn national attention for bucking federal health care officials over the handling of the virus, but a group of Florida physicians said Thursday the governor's push to reopen the state and block precautions are the main reason for the sharp increase in the number of cases. Bernard Ashby, a Miami cardiologist and leader of the Florida chapter of the Committee to Protect Health Care, says DeSantis should spend more time talking to people about the efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines and less time attacking Dr. Fauci, hoping to score political points. As you might expect, the governor did not take kindly to those remarks. Well, look, so if anyone is calling for lockdowns, you're not getting that done in Florida. I'm going to protect people's livelihoods. I'm going to protect kids' right to go to school. I'm going to protect 
people's right to run their small businesses. We have a situation where we have three vaccines that have been widely available for months and months now, and people need to make decisions uh, what's best for them, but to have the government come in and lock anyone down or restrict anybody is totally unacceptable. And it's easy for some physician to advocate that because it doesn't affect them. Uh, it does affect the people in this state. So we're gonna lift people up. We're not locking people down. And we're gonna make sure that folks are able uh, to exercise their, their decision-making that what's best for them. And I think millions of Floridians have obviously done that uh, for the last year and a half. And so we wanna continue to support their efforts. The governor was speaking at Indian River State College, where he held a ceremonial signing for House Bill 3, the New World's Reading Initiative that was championed by House Speaker Chris Sprowls. And why would we call it the New World's Reading Initiative? Because nothing opens up new worlds for children like, like reading a book and falling in love with a character and, and being with them as they go on in their adventures. And every child who learns to read gets to experience that. But we also know that struggling readers, the, the vast majority of them, don't even have a book in their home. How could you fall in love with reading or a character or, or an adventure if you don't have a book to touch and make your own? And that's going to change because of the work of the members behind me. The New World's Reading Initiative will, will get children who are struggling readers. They'll get a package at their home. Not a package for somebody else or, or for a parent, but for them with their name on it that says this is yours. This book, this adventure, it's yours and yours alone. And what's more, we realize that that kid's not going to just start to read by themselves. They're going to need help, and they're going to need help from their parents, which is why this bill contains not just funding for that, but for wraparound services for families and for parents to help teach our, our parents to teach their children to learn to read. We're working with the Lassinger Institute at the University of Florida, who's come up with a presentation that is nothing short of inspiring and amazing to make sure that we can educate our parents on how to teach their children to read that book that comes to their home. And we can tell you that we are, on the, we are going to make 2030 our target to make sure that as many children in Florida will read on grade level by 2030. People will say, well, that's a moonshot. And they're right, it is. It is a moonshot, which is why the first year of the, of the book theme for the Lassinger Institute is going to be books about the moon, to get the kids excited about that adventure and all that's to come. Education Commissioner Richard Corcoran says the reading initiative will help achieve Florida's goal of having 90% of third graders reading at third grade level. Right now, it's only 50%. Education, it's everything. It's everything to a child. And when, and when you get to third grade, we know if you're not on grade level in third grade, you're a one or a two on our, on our standardized tests, what are you in 10th grade the last year we test and monitor you? 86% are still ones and twos. That's 90% of our dropouts. That's the, most of the people, they do surveys of our prison population. And almost all of them, like 90% are dropouts and, and are not reading, on, can't read on grade level. That's the impact. But so if you give a child that world-class education, that, you know, we always quote Frederick Douglass, education is the uplifting of the human soul to the glorious light of truth. It's what gives you hope and enable to go out there and have new worlds opened up to you. And when that's really snuffed in third grade, you're taking away hope from those children. And so what the governor has done since coming in and, and with the speaker's help, it's a massive infusion. We've rewritten our standards because we've just flatlined it. As the speaker was saying 50%. We flatlined. So now we have new standards. Those standards we completely eradicated 
common, uh, common core and we completely eradicated whole language. Now we have the science of reading in every single component of the new curriculum that just came out with the new standards. And now you have the New Worlds Initiative where we're sending books to students. Can you imagine? These are homes. 61% don't have a single book in their home. I know the feeling when I see that Amazon truck come up and I know it's a new golf club or something I ordered. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is fantastic. Now that little child who doesn't even get presents is getting a book a month and it's his book and he, he's going to have his own bookshelf and by the time he's done with third grade he's got 50 books on his shelf. It's just a fantastic thing. It's giving kids hope. It's giving them a future and, and 2030 we're going to get there one way or another per the governor's request but he set the goal 90% on grade level third grade and we're going to get there and, and to Chris's uh, Speaker Sprouse's point that is a moonshot. We right now are at 50%. The highest state is at 50%. We're in the top five, top one, two in reading against all the other states. To get to, we're going up 100% to get to that moonshot, but we will get there. Funding for the New World's Reading Initiative amounts to $200 million. Florida is also investing an additional $71 million to finance literacy initiatives aimed at improving student achievement. Next up on the Sunrise Soapbox, you'll hear from a couple of new kids on the block, starting with State Representative Fiona McFarland of Sarasota. The Republican has just completed her first legislative session earlier this year, and she credits the Navy with giving her the soft skills she needed to succeed in Florida politics. One of my favorite things I learned in the Navy was how diverse our country is based on the sailors that I met and the sailors that uh, I had the responsibility of leading. And with that in mind, that's what Florida is to me. And I think to myself with every policy, every bill that I run, every bill that I vote on is who is this affecting? What are the unintended consequences? Who is this bill affecting that we don't even like, it's not obvious to us. And um, right, as an officer, your guys will bring to you a whole bunch of stories and it's up to you to kind of like wade through the BS and figure out what truth is. And legislation is kind of the same. Right. Ask why five times. Um, figure out who's uh, you know who's pushing for you to to certify the engine is repaired <laughs> because it means they get early liberty. You know what? Who's motivated and why? Go back to your study of Mach Machiavelli, um, and that was for me the analysis of like, do I have the skill to be a state legislature? I don't know. You know, when it comes to the purview of issues that you that you rule over in the state legislature, I am not an expert in like any of them, but I do know how to ask good questions. I do know how to sniff out a rat. I do know how to um, push for data to back up assertions. Um, and I figured those were those are sort of soft skill sets that I learned both in uniform and in, in the private sector that I thought would be really helpful in a, in a state rep. Like that's what I would want for my own state rep. One side note, McFarland is expecting her second child next week. Congratulations. Another new kid is State Senator Chevron Jones, a Democrat from Miami Gardens. Technically, he's not a newbie because he served in the House first, but this year's session was his first in the state Senate. Senator Jones, or Chev as everyone calls him, says everything came together when he started looking for middle ground. I went in head in and I started playing politics. But I'm like, I'm a Democrat and not good well we were in the minority. But I just went in there. I'm like, listen, I'm about to do do my stuff. And I played politics. And I didn't get anything done. But I was never good at politics. So I say, you know what, let me change my approach a little bit. I'm good at people. I'm good at relationships. And so let me go in that direction. I was representing and I still represent one of the largest black districts in the state of Florida, the third largest in the country. And so I say, you know what, let me be very specific how I do this. 
So I started doing what I do best. I created the relationships, taking some of my colleagues from the other side of the aisle, going to dinner, going to happy hours, and us having a conversation as human beings, as people, to see where those connections, where we actually relate at, where do we meet in the middle at? And that's how I was able to start working to get things across the aisle and work to get good policies across the aisle. Now, the question is, does it get nasty? Absolutely. Uh, there are there are opportune there are times within the legislature uh, where I get where I've gotten discouraged. As a matter of fact, now being in the Senate, uh, although it's a more moderate chamber to where we really really work along with each other um, over there. When I was in the House, uh, there were a lot of discouraging moments that were that were over there. But then it always takes me back to my why, right? Because if I don't go back to my why, now I start questioning the integrity and the character of some of my colleagues. And when you start seeing people as a problem, you can't help them. And so I changed my concept and how I did it. Uh, so yes, does it get ugly? It does. But when it starts getting ugly, you have to go back to figure, you have to go back to the reason why you did it. And that what motivates you to, to continue going because it's not only just the people you do it for, but it's your family. Jones and McFarland were featured speakers in a roundtable discussion hosted by New Politics, a bipartisan group that's trying to revitalize American democracy by recruiting, developing, and electing servant leaders who put community and country over self. Your calendar of events, the directors of the Florida Development Finance Corporation meet at 8 in Tallahassee. The Florida Board of Psychology meets in Panama City Beach at 8. The Ethics Commission meets at 8.30 in Tallahassee. The Florida Board of Hearing Aid Specialists meets at 10 in Orlando. The Revenue Estimating Conference meets at 9 to consider the forecast of revenue from a legal settlement with the tobacco industry. The Florida Board of Clinical Laboratory Personnel meets online at 9. The Treasure Coast Regional Planning Council meets at 9.30 in Stewart. And the Social Services Estimating Conference meets at 1.30 to talk about caseloads in the Medicaid program. Finally today, a Florida man has been arrested after a night of drinking turned to violence when the guy needed a ride. 42-year-old Earl Henry Jones, who's a firefighter in Melbourne, was busted last weekend after he and a female companion ordered an Uber to take them back to their vacation rental. Jones was having trouble finding his wallet and his cell phone. He became angry, so angry that he punched the Uber driver in the face, put him in a headlock, and tossed him to the ground. Jones then hopped back into the victim's SUV and drove to his rental unit, which was 100 yards down the road. He's been charged with robbery, carjacking, and battery. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again Monday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. Music